Come on and join me as I ride the back roads of our country, seeking out people and places, just all things Americana. My name's Ken Smith, and I'm the host of Faces to Places podcast. So back in my earlier days, my dad and I would go fishing down to Tennessee River near a small place called Sugar Tree, Tennessee. And as much as I looked forward to the fishing was those faithful stops at a little barbecue joint along the way. No matter how many times we made the trip down those windy back roads to the secluded part of the river, that little barbecue joint just always seemed to appear out of nowhere. We'd round the curve, and every time it was the same. That little cinder block building just sitting right there on the side of the road. Had a much larger smokehouse out back. Always that familiar smell of hickory smoke in there. And on most days, there was a couple cars parked on the side of the road as that little joint didn't have a parking lot. Then you'd go inside and get your food, and they'd bring it to you in a brown paper sack for you to take home, or you could just do as we did most times, just sit right there on the side of the road and eat it. And they only cooked whole hog barbecue at that little joint, and I didn't realize it at the time, but that was really something special. Those little places have almost completely disappeared. That, my friends, was real Americana. But just recently, I had some barbecue that opened the floodgates of all those memories of my dad and I fishing down there on the river. It was at B.E. Scott's in Lexington, Tennessee, just 30 miles east of Jackson and not too far from the Tennessee River. I'd heard really good things about B.E. Scott's, and after a couple bites, I knew for sure that it was a real deal. And that early American style of cooking whole hog barbecue has a flavor all its own that, well, you can't describe it, you just have to experience it yourself. And it was there that I met Zach Parker, who's a second-generation owner and pitmaster at B.E. Scott's, and he was kind enough to sit across the table from me and share his experience and his hard-earned knowledge of cooking old-time whole hog barbecue. This is what Zach had to say. So, uh, the the history on Scotts, um, we was established in 1962, and uh, I was born in 91. Dad bought the place in 89. Um, Dad grew up with Mr. Early Scott and uh, took over in 89 and rocked on. And when I was the age of about 10, I was able to uh, start firing pigs, serving meat, and uh, learning the ropes of the business. I, I would have to say, um, if it wasn't for early Scott, I don't know where I'd be today or my dad and, and him instilling a good work ethic in me. How old were you when you first started? Like the first time you started coming around here, how old do you think you were? Well, I would say, I would say I was around five, six years old. And by that time I was already getting to sweep some floors and, uh, prep beans and, and the, the small stuff that goes on throughout the business, um, daily of the daily business. And, boy, I thought I was a part of something very special <laughs> at that time. Well, you were a part of yes, something sir. special, man. Yes, sir. No doubt. You still are. Hey, well, you know, the, the the sweeping floors and the making beans at that time, I thought, boy, I am the man. <laughs> you know, six, yeah. seven years old, you was, you was rocking out getting to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, man, I don't even know where to start. The whole hog barbecue – uh, last time I was here, you let me look, take a peek in there at your pits, man. How many? I mean, you have brick old block pits. Yeah, yeah, cinder block pits, yeah. and uh, I can cook up to twenty four pigs at a time. 
Well, um, the only time I will have to say that them pits pits are absolutely full is, is around the Fourth of July when you got you know thirteen or fourteen hundred pounds on reserve. Um, that's a long, strenuous couple of days there. Uh, mm-hmm. When you're cooking that many pigs, burning that many fires, we'll burn about six thousand pounds of wood that day within twenty four hours. So uh, keep the water hose close and and, <laughs> and make sure that you got plenty of water to stay hydrated. You were talking about the fire. What kind of wood you use? I, I use all hickory wood. Hickory, hickory. Yeah. All right, that's. Uh, honestly, have nothing against oak wood. Um, Luckily, my supplier, man, he takes care of me, and I get all hickory. He makes axe handles, and, and luckily I get them delivered right to my doorstep. But um, I have cooked hogs with oak um, at Cook's and Music City Food and Wine and absolutely did not have a problem with it at all. Um, I had a, I had a good friend of mine that's a chef, pit master, and he told me I'd love it. And, and sure enough, it, w- it wasn't much difference. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Hickory, man, I love hickory smoked anything. Man, hickory, about, hickory's yeah. got that smell. It's got that yeah. smell to it. So, a uh, little backstory: uh, I went to Australia to cook for Jack Daniels, and man, they uh, they lined me up the best anybody ever has. I mean, flew me out, flew my family out, put me on a mini vacation, um, got to cook a, I believe it's three pigs. They built the pit just like I just like I sent the designs. Had a, had a guy come in and it wasn't just sitting blocks on top of blocks. They mortared it and everything. Um, they showed up with pecan wood. They called it pecan pecan yeah. wood. Um, I did not care for their wood on the pecan, but I think the pecan's more for the smoke flavor instead of actually coals for a fuel. Right. Um, right. but luckily Jack Daniels jumped on board and said, Hey, we're going to get this guy some hickory wood imported. And then they did. And they so, did so that. I can't complain, you know. It was a good time. So Australia was a uh, very unique place, and if you want to learn just about the other side of the world in general, I mean, go and, and enjoy it, view other people's lifestyles, and, man, you, you'll learn a lot. All right. Now, over there, was uh, barbecue, is it a big thing over there? Well, or is that just- so what What Jack Daniels' goal was is, um, you know, they could spend any amount of money on putting billboards up and stuff like that, and they was pushing a new mixed drink in a can that they had. And they wanted it to, sure enough, be a down-home Tennessee throwdown. And, and what better way to do it than have a guy show up and cook whole hog right in the back door, you know, and uh, get to have a bunch of Jack Daniels involved as well. And it sounds like a hell of a party. Can you describe to me what uh... – your day is like like what time you get up what time you get the fires going how does all that work well my, my day involves um it, it really depends throughout the week so you know our busy days i've got to be here at the crack of day and getting started if i'm fully staffed man i've got somebody that's that's supposed to be in a position to succeed at their job uh, very fortunate to have a good crew but uh you know normal days 7 a.m uh yeah i get in here and I, i'll I've got a pit man that's in till 12, and once he leaves, I, I drop in there and start firing pigs and get them finished up for the next day. Um, luckily, our pits, so they're insulated, um, concrete poured on the cinder blocks, and uh, I'm able to fire pigs till 8 or 9, 10 o'clock at night, and, and I'll get a full night's rest that way, and, and I can get up and do it all again the next day. Yeah, so I noticed when I came in, you had a you had a man out there that was man. He was watching over your pits. Do you train him, or yes, how does that work? Um, so I, I try to give anybody that jumps on board. I give them everybody's cooked pigs at some point in time, or been at a party and cooked pigs. But 
I still have a certain way that I want them fired, times I want them fired, temperatures I want the pits to run. Because when you're cooking something for 24 hours, you can not, you, you can just absolutely burn it up and running a low, running a low temperature. Um, you know, sometimes we cook as low as 225, 250 degrees. And it all does depend on our weather since our pit room is just a block building that's got, you know, your, your weather elements are in it from, so if it snows outside, your humidity, your rain, it, it all plays part in how the pit reacts, how the grease is rendering down on the coals. Um, a lot of people probably don't know this, but, you know, if you get a pig that, that's got more fat content, more lard in it, you, you can fire that pig to a certain point and that lard rendering down on the coals keeps that fuel going. So that's the nights that, that I'm lucky enough to get to leave because I can look at them and say, all right, they're not done yet. But this pit's been running 220 for the last four hours, so I'm able to lock and load and go home, see the wife, and enjoy a good meal and spend some time. Man, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot to learn right there. That's why you're a pit master, dude. That's that's not something you learn in a week or two, right there. It, it's it's funny. Um, so I've I've never I've never like called myself a pit master, I, and I don't know why. It's um so it's barbecue, it's whole hog. And there's, like you just said, man, there's a ton of things that's involved in making sure that pig's perfect every day. And when you do, you know, thousands of hogs a year, you're, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna mess up at times right. and you're gonna have a lot of trial and error, especially, man, when I was young, uh, I can tell you what, I, I, I made some screw ups and you learn <laughs> from them screw ups. Did your daddy let you know about it? Oh, did he? <laughs> I, I can tell you, I can tell you, he was on a trip one time and, and I was probably, um, I'd say I was around nine or so. And he was on a trip, and I got out of school early, and I said, boy, he's on his way back. I'm fixing to make him, make him real excited. And, and we've got our own hot sauce that Mr. Early Scott come up with. And uh, I thought, man, we made it a gallon at a time. I thought, I'm about to make this man happy as heck because he's going to pull in, get off our airplane, roll in here, and he's going to be like, boy, my son made sauce. Lo and behold, I put too much cayenne pepper in it. And I ruined probably 20 gallons of sauce. <laughs> um, uh, so that was one of them mistakes where you, uh, where I was really excited about being yeah. a part of something and I wasn't focused on the job at hand. So a little backstory on dad. Um, he, he was a, a single parent, um, took care of me, my brother for, for as long as I can remember. And what I can say is, you know, I was, uh, I, I like sports, you know, I wanted to play sports and I can remember a conversation. He was real stern nosed guy and, he believed in, hey, you got to learn, learn how to make a livelihood, learn how to make a living before you ever think about doing sports or something. Cause in sports is going to be gone one day and you missed all that quality time to learn about a trade. And fortunately I, I learned about the trade of cooking whole hog with him. And there, there was a lot of times that I felt like he was too hard on me, but he really put the screws to me. And man, when he passed, I was a young age of 22 and, just to be honest, I didn't know what I was doing on the business end of it, but I could run this place with my eyes closed because of him being him showing me everything I needed to know. So you you make your own sauce, yes, right? Sir. So you got your own secret recipe there. So yes, we sir. won't be prying into none of that. <laughs> trying to get to get that from man. R- real simple recipe. Um, it's just yeah, colored vinegar is what we use distilled, but. You can use a, a malt vinegar and mix it with a, a white vinegar and get the same result. Because I had to do that in Australia. I asked for all my ingredients for my sauce, and they couldn't get distilled colored vinegar. So 
I sort of just put my mind to it and tried to get the same color with malt and, and white vinegar, and it worked out perfect, tasted amazing. Um, simple recipe, cayenne pepper, black pepper, salt, sugar, lemon juice, a little bit of brown sugar, and, and you got it. So, you know, and you use your peppers to, to gauge your spice. So, you know, if yeah. you like it spicy, put a little more to it. If you don't, take it back. So, Well, let's see, there's that, and then you have slaw that goes with your barbecue. Yeah, you have we, two types of slaw, don't We you? do. We've got a mayonnaise slaw and a vinegar slaw. Um, when, I, when I was a child, it, everybody in town was a vinegar slaw person. Like when I was making sandwiches, you know, we might use a quart of vinegar slaw a day, you know, and – I was like, man, these people, I love mayonnaise slaw because I, I like sweet, you know. And once we introduced that mayonnaise slaw and times went on, more people and more people went towards the mayonnaise slaw. And why not? Because if you've ever eaten a catfish plate, plate with mayonnaise slaw, our mayonnaise slaw is just as good, in my opinion. Uh, we cut it fresh from cabbage heads. We don't order it. We, we do it all ourselves, make our ingredients ourselves. And uh, the person that does my slaw keeps it fresh at all times, so. When you get a, a sweet flavor with that slaw and I got a crunch to it on top of a Midland sandwich, you just can't Ooh. beat it. Yeah. Well, talking about catfish, I was reading something trying to study up on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and your place. Don't you have a catfish sandwich? So, so yeah, um, a lot of people don't know how to order it, but but the catfish is, um, you can call it the catfish, the flank. Uh, everybody calls it different pieces of the meat, but it's a real tender piece of meat that, that – it's got a little bit of bark on it, which is something that's got a little bit of crust. And man, it's, it's to die for. And there's not many people. There's not many people that knows to come in. That's funny that you know that. There's not many people that knows the, the about the catfish sandwich. Oh, I was digging back on the old article. Yeah, I guarantee it. Guarantee. <laughs> that sounds like one of Dad's old articles or something. It might have been. I, it, I'll it, tell you, one of my. I, I wouldn't call it a mistake. Um, I really like the Midlands uh, of the hog because. All your juices. So we, after we flip our hogs, we get them in for service. They sit on a warming pit. And then Midlands is where all your juices run to, all your sauce. I mean, it just runs to the Midlands. And uh, the the Midland sandwich is absolutely top notch. And I think I've told too many people about it because I had my regular customers that could walk in any time, say, hey, I want a Midland sandwich. And now it seems like people's calling, reserving it all up. And yeah. you, you got customers that's upset about it. But um you know, that's the difference in, I guess, our whole hog place here and other ones. You have some that chops it all, and then you have some that just sells that whole hog sandwich. But um, you can come in our place and order chopped, pulled, juicy, no juice, dried. I mean, I do have people come in and say, hey, I want us to dry, I'll choke on it. So, you know, that's just right. what you run across. You were talking about your customers coming in. Do you have... Do you still have customers that's been coming here since you was a kid? It's, it, yeah, I do. Um, I actually, so we have a, I have a code um, in my point of sale system that it means friends of Scott's. And um, that code, I'm able to put it in if I have a, man, I've got customers that's come in that I've known my whole life. They've always ordered the same sandwich. I had one come in the other day and he told me he had been coming in for 33 years. And I thought, I, I was out in the pit room and I was working and I told him, I said, I tell you what, I said, I'll call in there and you get that Friends of Scott's discount because let me just say, uh, you, you coming here 33 years means a ton to me. Even if you're just buying a sandwich, think about um, how much he's helped my family in the past. Right. You know, he put food in my stomach when I was a kid and I didn't even know him. I try to appreciate people like that because in the restaurant business, you're working on 
minute percentages. And if you don't run, operate a business right, then um, you'll be out of business faster than you got in, I suspect. The holidays, man, do you do turkeys and all that stuff? Oh, man, um, I'm guessing you read up on it. So, you know, we got our pits holds 24 hogs, so that's 24 racks, and we can get about 10 turkeys to a rack. Um, that being said, when Thanksgiving comes around, I open my doors to take in froze turkeys from anybody, charge a set fee, and, and I stock my hog cooler up with everybody's turkeys. I run a number system to keep up with everybody's turkey. We put it on the pit, cook it for 10 hours, 12 hours, real low and slow, same way we do our hogs. Um, and, man, they're falling off bone. People love it. I, I don't think I've ever seen a Thanksgiving that I actually had space left. So, you know, um, our cinder block pits on the insulation process and stay, you know, some people use metal lids. Some people use um, offset smokers cooking. Ours is just cinder block and we use cardboard for insulation, which is uh, it's sort of comical. People, you know, they laugh at me when they see cardboard over a pit, you know, putting coals under it because they're like you're using a paper product to, to insulate. But man, it's one of the, in my opinion, it's one of the best insulators. It, it don't reflect the heat like metal. You know, I'm sure if I had a metal top, my pigs wouldn't be done in 24 hours. They'd be done in 14 hours, and I wouldn't have the same product because right. low and slow is the only way to go. Like the temperature, man, you just can you just look at it and gauge, or do you have, actually have a thermometer well, in all those pits, I've, or I've, what? I've actually got thermometers in all my pits, um, except I, got, I ought to be ashamed, but I don't use them. Um, I, I do it for my people. So that way, if I've got any trainees in, I can really focus them on, Hey, we got to keep this pit at this temperature. Um, I focus a lot on, you know, when you put a animal in the, on the pit, that's 40, you know, coming out of a cooler, that's 40 degrees. I focus on the steam it's putting out because that means it's, it's doing its thing. Uh, that steam comes out, fogs up my glasses and I'm like, Oh man, it's yeah. doing what it's supposed to. Um, I focus on that and the amount of smoke that's coming out because the more smoke's coming out of your pit, the more it's rendering, the better it's doing. Um, but you don't want to shoot for that too early. If, if you're getting that real early, you might have a, uh, you might have to slow it down just a notch. What's the average weight of the hogs that you, that you get? Um, I actually have a hog farmer in Lawrenceburg. Um, my weights tend to be from 150 pound carcass weights to 220 pound carcass weights. It really depends, you know, when you're, a hog farm and you're growing pigs at times you know if it's hot they may not eat as much so i might get some that's the 150 160 pounders winter times i might get some of the bigger ones um we try to set some back around fourth of july that are real good size and it's going to put out the meat since pit space is sort of tight does it usually just to average out how long does it take you to cook one hog 24 hours is what it takes to cook one hog what we do is we put it on at seven in the morning it comes off at seven the next morning. Okay, and you cook it low and slow. Low and slow. Two twenty-five. Yep, that's correct. Around. Okay. You just you know, and you can run that pit a certain temperature, but you also got to know how to look at the pig, see what's getting done faster. Um, your midlands, where the ribs are, they'll get done faster than your hams and shoulders will. Your shoulders are next. Your hams will always be last. Um, the only thing about when you're running temperatures in pits like I've got, you know, you got to be able to look at it and see which way your air is flowing. Um, it changes every day, you know, depending on, uh, I don't know why it does. I, I think it's more along the lines of how many boards I've got laying on top of my cardboard, um, what the wind direction is for that day. 
And you, you can tell by if you got three or four pigs on that pit and you're able to see, okay, well, these pigs are all the same size, but this one on this end is getting doneer than that one on that end. Well, you know your airflow is going towards that end. You can focus mo- most of your fire towards the opposite end, and it'll help you with your cooking process. So that way you can get every hog the same instead of having this one down here looking like this and that one down yeah. there. Yeah. Wow. So there's so much to that that people don't even realize. Man, they don't. They I don't. Mean, it's, a, it's a science to it for sure. Okay, Zach, thank you for uh, taking the time out, man, your busy schedule to hang out with us and talk barbecue and the history of this Scott's Barbecue and your dad and uh, you growing up cooking in this place. And uh, I'll let you get back to your business because I know you've got a lot going on right now. Hey, man, I appreciate the time and uh, hope to do it again soon. All right, buddy. See thank you. you. Thanks. Thank you all for listening to us at Faces to Places podcast. You can like us on Facebook and Instagram, and you can give us a raving review and a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on down the road at Faces to Places.